Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. As we're going to continue on in a series that uh, I started a couple of weeks ago called Living Invitations. Um, then last week, I, I wasn't in the pulpit, and Pastor Billy filled in for me. Thank you so much. You did a great job. I appreciated having you, and um, that, was, that was good. And again, thank you. What a, we're blessed to, to have you here with us, and I appreciated the little break. But uh, we're going we're gonna to hop back in uh, to this series today. And the idea behind what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, that we're called to be living invitations, that we have mission uh, and, and purpose, and we started by talking about what the church is and that the church is people. Whenever you, when you hear, you know, you hear the church talked about, particularly in the New Testament, it's either the group of all Christians who have ever lived or a group of believers in a specific place and time. And so we, we said that, you know, as a follower of Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ, you're a part of the church, that you are the church. And that I wanted to make sure that we, we got that. We're, we don't really come to church, we are the church. Now we're the church gathered. When you leave, you're still the church. Um, and what we have here when everybody's gone is an empty facility. So uh, this is the church facility, but we, you know, we all say, generally say, you don't say, hey, we're going to the facility. Uh, where you say we're going to church, and, and, and so that can sort of get us confused, but we're the church. You're the church. Together we're the church gathered, and uh, we, we sort of, we made those points, and we talked about being created for good deeds, uh, a people of mission, and things that God has for us to do. So I want to talk about that a little bit more today and develop that idea of being a people of mission <clears throat> as it relates to the church. So that's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. These are really bad, but I was traveling a lot this week, so I didn't have as much time as I would like. I poured root beer into a square glass. Now I just have beer. That bad, really? It's a square root joke. <laughs> yeah. I hope I can say this. What, what do you call a guy from France that wears sandals? Philippe Fallot. I don't even know if it's okay, that one, but anyway. I apologize if it's not. Scripture reading, let's get myself out of trouble. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So uh, I want to talk about this idea some more of uh, Jesus being the head of the church, we're the church, we're the body, 
and um, we were created in advance with, with uh, things that He has for us to do, and so we're people of mission and purpose. And as we talk, hang on to the idea that, that our lives are to be living invitations, that, that you know, the reality is that, that we're living this thing out, and the, the only difference now between us and the church that's gone before us is that we still have the opportunity to invite people into the kingdom. I think, you know, the church from, for all time now, over the last couple of thousand years, the church that's gone before us is in the presence of the Lord. And I believe they're doing the things that we do. do. They're worshiping and they're fellowshipping and, they're, and they're, they're praying and they're doing all those things. I believe that they're actively doing all those things. The only thing that they can't do that we can is invite people into the kingdom. And so that's what we're tasked with until we go to be with Him. That's our purpose. That's our mission it's why we're here. And so that's the first point. We are a people of mission. We're a people of mission. We have a purpose. Jesus lays it out for us in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is very clear in, in His uh, mission for us. Um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is our mission until He comes back for us at the end of the age. Until we're with Him or He's with us, this is what we're called to do. To go and, and make disciples and, and, uh, and baptize them and teach them uh, the things of the Lord. And I love this idea because as we talk about being a people of mission, um, I love what He says at the end, I am with you always. So He's with us in our mission. He hasn't just said, you know, here you go, I'll see you, uh, and you know, have fun. I'll be back. Um, he's with us always to the very end of the age. He's given us this, this mission. He's created us with purpose. And he's, you, know, you think about how amazing it is and how God has designed us. And we're each, um, you know, have all this different gift mix and different talents and different things that he's given us to be able to do. And somehow he brings us all together and he uses them for um, the purpose of mission. And so the, that we get outside of ourselves and that all the gifts and the talents and the things that are happening aren't just about us, but it's bigger than us. And, and so he's, he's given us these things and He's with us on this journey. And there's also some other amazing things that we have as a people of mission as we live out this idea of being living invitations for Him. And so the second thing that uh, I want to talk about is that we have the keys of the kingdom. We have the keys of the kingdom. So Jesus is with us, and He's given us purpose. He's given us mission. It's stated. And He also gives um, the keys to the kingdom, to the church, when he, when he places them in the hands of the Apostle Peter. Uh, and let's read that account together right now. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon, Peter answered, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here's what's going on. Jesus is with his disciples, and, and uh, some other folks were around. There was a crowd around him, and, and he asked them, you know, well, uh, who do you think that I am? And, and there was some response, some pretty, you know, some of the popular sort of opinions going around. And then Jesus looks pretty much directly at his disciples. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, responding for the group, uh, acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and that was it. That was what they needed to get. That was who he was. That wasn't revealed to him by man, Jesus says, but by God. And, and that understanding is the rock that, that the church is going to be built on, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that they were waiting for to come to redeem them. The one that um, when we go all the way back into Genesis 3.15 and, and begin to talk about redemption after the fall, uh, it was all going to happen and culminated the cross. And this was Jesus, the prophesied one, the one who was to come, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's arrived. He's on the scene. And they get it. The disciples get it. Peter gets it. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So on that confession, he says he's going to build the church, and he's going to give the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, keys um, are fascinating things, but, you know, keys are used to lock uh, and unlock doors. That's what keys are for. We've had this discussion before. We all have keys. Um, you know, I've got a handful of keys, and I, I shrink these down every now and again because I end up with keys that I don't know what they're for. Does that happen to anybody else? <laughs> so and, and now you can have these neat snappy things so you can get rid of them sometimes. And then I, sometimes I'll get rid of some, and, and then I'll forget where I put them, and I didn't need them anyway. But... It's not really what I wanted to talk about, but you get the idea. We've all got keys. Well, the church has been given some very special keys. And these, uh, these doors that, that, we're, that Jesus has in mind are the, are the doors to the kingdom of heaven. And, and he's really laying the foundation uh, of his church. And so the disciples are going to be the leaders of this new institution. And Jesus is giving them authority to um, open the doors of heaven and invite people to enter. And that's what this whole sort of process is. And, and so it's important that we all understand how one enters the kingdom of heaven. So, uh, you know, Jesus tells us that unless we're born again, and we just did a whole series on this, um, no one can see the kingdom of heaven. That, that we talked about what that means to, to be reborn um, and that, that we needed to be born spiritually that that was our issue, that we're, we're born naturally when we're first born, but we need to be reborn. And, and that um, it, Scripture very clear, that unless we're reborn in Him, um, we can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and so to be born again, you know, then the Holy Spirit comes and He 
He works through the Word of God. We had this discussion to bring new life into someone who was formerly not alive spiritually. And that's what happens when we come to know Jesus. And the, the, the basis for that understanding is the good news, the gospel, that, that um, our sin had separated us from a perfect and holy God, and that Jesus came and willingly gave His life in exchange for ours as a substitution. He, he went to the cross. He defeated death there. He, he paid it with His blood um, to ransom us. And then after He defeated death, He rose again. And now what happens is we have life in Him that God chooses to see all who believe in, in what took place at the cross in the perfection of His Son, and we're reconciled. So um, the preaching of the gospel and the receiving of the gospel is, is the key to the kingdom. It's how people enter. It always has been from the time of the church, and it, it will continue to be. That's how we get in. It's not by good works. It's not by, um, you know, what, what, how, who you're born to or whatever that looks like. It's by hearing uh, the gospel message and responding to it in faith and knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the way in. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to give you the keys to open heaven uh, for people who want to come in. And that's what it's going to be. That's the key. It's the preaching of the gospel. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. So Paul understood that this was the, the purpose, the message of the church. This is the key uh, uh, to the kingdom. It's what opens the door, uh, is the gospel being preached and being received, and it's how we uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's interesting, um, if, you, if you continue to read on, what happens in the life of Peter. Uh, and so Jesus is specifically addressing Peter when he has that, but he's doing that as Peter is a representative of the church. When it says, on this rock, I'll build my church. And so he's, he's you know, speaking to Peter representatively. Um, Peter, you're going to have these keys to open doors, to open the door to help people come into the kingdom. And if you were to then look at Peter's life, it's amazing what he does with his preaching of the gospel and this key to um, open the door to the kingdom of heaven. And, and he opened specifically doors for three different groups of people with this key. Uh, in Acts 2, if you read Acts 2, um, it's Peter who, who uh, preaches in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And about 3,000 Jewish people are saved that day, plus women and children. So he preaches to a group of uh, Jewish uh, folks who respond to the gospel message and who are added to the church and into the kingdom of heaven, um, that's a pretty significant movement that happens at Pentecost. In Acts 8, Peter um, is with the Samaritans, and he, and he preaches the gospel to the Samaritans. And, and um, they believe the, the gospel, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and Peter was present for that event. John was with him at that point in time. So in effect, Peter unlocks the doors for the Samaritans which is another whole group of people. Um, you know, the, the Samaritans uh, had some Jewish ancestry but were mixed uh, during the time of the exile. And so there was a, it was a different group of people, the sort of half-Jewish, half-Gentile race, the, the Samaritans. And the Jewish people didn't even care for them at all 
Um, and yet Peter was there, and, and the gospel was preached, and the Samaritans respond um, in that same manner. They respond to the gospel, and uh, so in effect, he unlocks the doors for them. And then in Acts 10, interestingly enough, Peter brings the gospel to a Roman centurion's household, uh, Gentiles, and they too receive the Holy Spirit. So, so Peter had, in effect, unlocked the door for three major people groups, and the very ones that Jesus said that he would um, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts, and Peter does that. So Peter has the keys of the kingdom, and he proceeds to use those keys uh, very effectively and opens the doors for the church to, in effect, the world. And so that, that's what he was doing to demonstrate for us what that looks like. So uh, we have mission, which is to be living invitations, and Jesus is with us, uh, and he's given us all sorts of gifts and talents and things to do, and, and we have the key to the kingdom, which is the gospel, which we're to preach, uh, that, that helps people to get their way into the kingdom. And third, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so the Holy Spirit's there to lead and to guide and to empower us uh, on this journey. Acts 1, 1 through 8. Luke is writing, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit uh, is poured out at Pentecost. And the church begins to take shape. And uh, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And Peter went and did exactly that. What's saying there? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. Peter has taken the keys and showed us how they work. And he's preached the gospel. And people have responded. And they're to continue to do that. And the disciples were led by the Holy Spirit, as are we, and empowered by him. And, and I always, whenever I read that verse, I always want to make sure you, to be witnesses. Um, very important that we make sure that we get that as the church. Because the church tends to very quickly move away from its role as a witness and wants to become and take on the role of judge. And we're not empowered to be judges. We're empowered to be witnesses. And as soon as we become, as soon as we shift into that role of judge, we lose our impact on the, the world around us. We, we have no impact on the culture as a judge because they feel judged <laughs> and they don't respond. Uh, it, you know, but as a witness, you're empowered to be a witness. And, and so that means, you know, a witness has a testimony. And, and we're living invitations. We have a testimony of what God has done in our lives and how our encounter with Jesus has changed us and how, you know, we still desperately need Him every day, that, that he, we're still at work, you know, we're a work in progress. But he's, he's moved into our lives and He's changed us and He's set us free from things and He's helping us with other things. And and that, that, see, that's what people need to hear. Their people are desperate to know that there's hope and that there's a, there's a way that, that means more than what they're experiencing. And so, so we're called to be witnesses 
for him with this amazing message, the gospel that we have, and Jesus being with us. And then under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we see the church begin to take shape way back in Acts 2. And again, I, I know I tell you this, but I, I want to, as we think about the church and being living invitation, that this is our part, that you're a part of something that's been going on for 2,000 years. And it still goes on in you. Don't ever think about all the, you know, we, all the, all, we'll look at all the neat things that happened. They're still happening. These neat things are happening. New, new stories are happening. It's not going to be Bible, but it's, it's still the, the, we're part of His story now. And amazing things happen all the time. I hope you see how, how God is at work and that you're aware of His presence and, and the little things that He leads you to do and the, the little differences we make that make big differences in people's lives. That's what the early church was doing. Acts 2.42 and following, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One of my favorite. I'm adding to their number daily those who were being saved. The, these early church was getting together and they were living this new life that they had in Christ and they were enjoying it and they were hanging out and, and, and things were happening in their midst and, and people were uh, seeing that and they were coming into the kingdom of God. People were being drawn into the kingdom because of what was taking place. These guys were living out their lives as invitations. And I wanted to set that in place as we continue on um, because I, I want to leave you with this. You know, I, I said to you last time that I spoke that the church is about people. Um, that, you know, either the people in the church from the, from the beginning or in a, in a specific place. But because the church is about people, the other thing you need to know is the church then is, is about relationships. It's about relationships. Because that's what we've got that's eternal. And it's, so it's about our relationship with God. It's our relationship with the people of God. And it's our relationship with the people who don't yet know God. And that, that, that's what we need to be aware of in, in the context. That's, that's how we operate. We operate in the context of relationship. We can't do this apart from one another. And so, so we're in this together. We're in this with Him. We're in this with one another. And we're reaching out to the people who don't yet know Him. And so I, I want us to sort of look at, over the weeks ahead, how we develop all these relationships. How we constantly develop our relationship with Him how we develop our relationship with one another, and how out of those relationships we develop relationship with people who don't know Him yet so that they can come and know Him. So kind of let that sort of be something that you think about this week. Think about how amazing it is that He's with us. Think about how amazing it is that, that He's made a way for us to be reconciled to Him. And that, that we have purpose and mission. Life isn't just sort of well, just kind of waiting till he comes back or waiting till we go to be with him. That, that he set this up so that we're part of an amazing story and, and that we play an important part. And how amazing that is, how awesome it is to, to be involved with him in this journey and involved with one another and what that looks like and to see 
people coming uh, because of the lives that we live. So I want you to think about that this week, and we're going to dig more into that when we get back. That's good enough for today. If you're watching my video, appreciate you doing that. Love for you to come and visit if you get a chance. If you need prayer in the meantime, you can go to our website, and there's a prayer page. Just fill it out, and we will pray for you. We hope to see you soon.